Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the Donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. Wow, what a powerful bunch of songs and an intense time of worship this morning. Do you appreciate having those times? Amen. So, um, Why don't you find your seats? You can uh, shake a hand, not shake a hand, find a seat. We're going to be talking this morning a little bit about the way that we interact with not only the world around us, but also with our Father in Heaven, relationships that way. And we have a worship experience like this. We have a moment like that. And for some people, you're like, don't stop. We've got time for more. It's only, it's only 20 to 11. For other people, you're like, wow, that was really loud. And there was a lot of people around. Isn't it interesting the way that, but, but some of us would characterize that as that was a little too much. Can we please back off? That wasn't good enough. That, that, was, that, that was over the top. And some of us would say, now we're starting to get there. And it has nothing to do with the worship experience itself. It has to do with who we are. And this morning, we've been, if, if you're new, welcome. My name is Rick. I'm the campus pastor here. And we've been in a study for the, about the last two months, actually, on Moses and his journey out of Egypt into Midian and then uh, back through into Egypt and then back into Midian. And today we're going to look at Moses' relationships and one of the closest relationships that he had. Now, how many are extroverts in the room? You would wave your hand and you'd go, yes, I'm an extrovert. Only two. Good. So how many are extroverts? Extroverts, come on. This is your chance. Move. Yeah. Be, draw attention to yourself. Bring it up. Yeah. There, there's, there's some of us that would say we're extroverted. And some of us, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because you don't want to do that, introverts. And some of us would go, I'm an introvert. Don't draw attention on, on, on to me. But you know that the way that we are made up, extroverts, introverts, it's our brains and our bodies actually function differently. Extroverts gain energy from the world around them. And if you're, if you're an introvert, this is going to be brand new information to you. You're like, are you serious? When an extrovert gets around somebody, engages in conversation, when there's noise, when there's energy, when all this is happening, we just get energized by that. And we say, this is amazing. This is absolutely unbelievable. And introverts, the exact opposite thing happens. When an introvert has noise and people and loudness, you know what happens? All the energy just gets sucked right out. And you can see the, the orientation there. And intro, uh, extroverts are on the left and the arrows are pointing out because all of the, they want this world. The introverts, it's, it's coming inside of them. And both are even both of our brains even function differently with extroverts when they were when they hooked up monitors to see where is the level of brain activity going introverts have more activity in the front section of their brain extra extroverts with more activity in the back section of the brain back section of course being where where feelings are where we more have our feeling center the front is more where our thoughts and irrational um activity happens happens there. So introverts are evaluating things, thinking about things, trying to make sense of it. Extroverts are loving the feeling and loving, loving the experience. And we release something called dopamine. And dopamine is the happy hormone. It helps us feel excited, alive, and energized. And extroverts, you're going to be shocked by this. Introverts are actually brought alive 
when they get away from everybody else and they get away from all these extra sensory things and they have the time alone and they're able to rationalize, they're able to think. And then this part of the brain engages and oh my goodness, they're like, now I get it, now I love this, this is wonderful. So a loud, passionate moment of worship like that is actually very draining (laughs) for many introverts. And a lot of our church services are actually set up for extroverts a lot of them are actually run by extroverts because you give them a stage, you give them a microphone, they want to be up front. They're like, what can we do to make this more energizing and make this, more, make this a better worship experience? And this, this is what happens. Now, our introverts are actually underrepresented in politics, in media, in CEO positions. But do you know where introverts are overrepresented? In the IQ pool and the genius pool. There are more, uh, there are more introverts than extroverts when we're, when we're studying those in Mensa groups, when we're studying those who are at the upper end of the IQ scale. But introverts have, there's this interesting study that's beginning to happen. They have started to present themselves as extroverts and are adapting from the very way that they were created to think and act and be. Do you know why they're adapting? Because in Western society, extroversion is characterized as more desirable and better for leadership, better for advancement, better for having a good experience with your life. So even though your brain is oriented completely differently, introverts are starting to adapt. And so the numbers in society, some people, when they do studies, they go, no, it's about 50-50 extroverts and introverts. But when you just do, when all you do is look at their habits, when all you do is look at people's, uh, the way that they have relationships, the way that they hear and, and interact with people, the numbers are actually more like 74 extrovert and 26 introvert. Almost a skew of, of 50% of introverts are now presenting themselves as extrovert. And, th- and we see this, right? You see this in your job places. You see this, what do you need? You need to be on a team in discussion, collaborating all the time. Well, that's not always the best place for introverts to have the discussion. They may need the time to pre-think and then bring it to the discussion. And then it's a wonderful place. But if you're just thrown into a team, all right, everybody break up and discuss. In church, we were, lots of times we say, before you sit down, you have to shake five people's hands that you don't know, that you don't know who they are, you don't know why they're, they're here. Please shake hands. This will enhance your worship experience. We say that it's more desirable. So we see this swing starting to happen. But there are all kinds of scriptural examples that included both extroversion and introversion. We even see it with, with Jesus. He would say that oftentimes he would pray in secret and he would draw himself away from the crowd. We see, that our fa- we see in scripture that it says that the Father sees what is done in secret. All of us regardless introvert, extrovert, we all crave relationship, yet we do all experience it differently. And everyone requires relationship to feel healthy, to feel loved, to feel important. We all need it, but we need it in very different ways. The stats on healthy relationships are actually unbelievable. For, for a person to have a healthy relationship means that you are 50% less likely to get the flu. If you would characterize yourself as, I have healthy relationships in my life, you're 50% less likely to catch the flu during, during flu season. You're actually half as likely to die prematurely of natural causes, and it adds three years to your life expectancy if you would characterize yourself as having healthy relationships. And your effect on the actual, they've, they've equated it to the effect on the mental well-being of somebody saying, I have healthy relationships, is equated to a 50% increase in salary. Now, how, how would it feel if I just said, hey, you're getting another 50% of your salary? Yes! <laughs> you would love that, right? They're saying, if you can 
foster and maintain healthy relationships, you have the same benefit that's added onto your life, or the same, the same feeling benefit. So we know that we need relationships. We know it's important. But how our minds process that information, how we interact in relationships is very different. And this morning what we want to do as we're going through this study, Moses Unscripted, we're going to look at one of Moses' most important relationships in his life. And some people would say that Moses was probably more of an extrovert. He characterized himself as, first he didn't, he was a reluctant leader. He didn't necessarily want to go back and lead. He said he had difficulty speaking. Then he wanted his brother to speak for him. He spent a lot of time alone. He may have been one of our introverts that had to be forced into an extroverted world every once in a while. But if you have your Bible, you're going to want to open it up to Exodus 18. We're going to leave it there. If you don't have a Bible this morning, we do have some at the back. Quickly slip up your hand, and one of our ushers will make sure you get a copy of the Bible to borrow this morning. The other way you can do it, you can just open up the Portico app. If you don't have it, download the app. All of your notes are in there. They're in your bulletin as well. We got all kinds of ways that you can follow along with notes and scriptures this morning. We're going to read nine verses out of Exodus, and then we'll draw a few principles out of that. Exodus 18, 1 to 9. Moses, the father-in-law of Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, he was the priest of Midian, heard about everything God had done for Moses and his people, the Israelites. He heard especially how the Lord had rescued them from Egypt. And earlier, Moses had sent his wife, Zipporah, and his two sons back to Jethro, who had taken them in. Moses' first son was named Gershom, for Moses had said, when the boy was born, I've been a foreigner in a foreign land. And we, and we, we had talked about that, how that kind of characterized Moses. His second son was named Eliezer, for Moses said, the God of my ancestor was my helper. He rescued me from the sword of Pharaoh. So verse 5, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, now came to visit Moses in the wilderness. He brought Moses' wife and two sons with him, and they arrived while Moses and the people were camped near the mountain of God. Jethro had sent a message to Moses saying, I, Jethro, your father-in-law, am coming to see you with your wife and two sons. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law. He bowed low, he kissed them, and then asked about each other's welfare. And then they went into Moses' tent. And Moses told his father-in-law everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and Egypt on behalf of Israel. He told about all the hardships they had experienced along the way and how the Lord had rescued his people from their troubles. Jethro was delighted when he heard all the good things the Lord had done for Israel for he rescued them from the hands of the Egyptians. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for an opportunity to study your word this morning. And I pray that we would be open and vulnerable enough to have our hearts and our minds and our interactions examined. Lord, I pray that regardless of which way we lean, whether it's we are energized by relationships, we're, we're tired by, by over the overactivity in relationships, Lord, whatever it is, I pray that we would examine the way that we interact with other people. And, and Lord, would your spirit and would your word help us to have these healthy, life-giving relationships, whether on mass or one-on-one. We ask this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. So we know that any of our relationships are not easy to navigate because we don't regularly give the best to those who are closest to us. Not going to ask you to put your hands up, but does anyone share a house with a grump? Like I'm like a more oh hands are already going up well, that was a bad move I'm not gonna point out <laughs> anyone <laughs> I got nothing okay <laughs> some of us have the pleasure of sharing the sharing the house with with people who are not necessarily morning people or not necessarily night people and there there are certain t- 
times of the day, and as you go through, there, it just happens every day where there is just grouchy and anger that's coming out at certain times. And we all know, we have this thing called a circadian rhythm, and, and, and there's, there's hormones being produced in us on a natural rhythm, and there's cortisol, the energy, that the, the hormone energy, and it's, it's released when you have contact to sunlight. So in the morning, when you see the sunlight, you should start to get this energy coming. And then, and then midway in the afternoon, we have this hormone, and it's melatonin, and it's produced in the mid-afternoon. And th- that's why in many cultures, we have tea time and siesta and things like this, right? Because we naturally get low in the middle of the afternoon, and then it, it's again, released in her body at 8.30, 9 o'clock when, when, um, and when the sun's gone out. But without caffeine and without sleep loss, without shift work, without any of that, your body will not produce any more cortisol until 6 a.m. Or, or the rise of the sun. But, but, but because of our society, we have definitely shifted our sleep patterns. We've definitely shifted the times we're awake and the times when we don't want to be awake because some of us are sleeping well, some of us are not. And many of us have disrupted our sleep cycle so much so that you can't sleep all night. And then when like five o'clock hits, you're falling back asleep again, right? And then that alarm goes at 5.30 or 6 or 6.30 or so, whatever time you get up. And what happens? You are angry. You, you, are not, you punch the alarm clock. The dog is in the way. The kids are going too slow. The toast is burnt. You, you find a problem with absolutely everything. People are driving too slow. They don't know what they're doing. Get off the roads if you don't know how to drive. This is your road. You, people have, have messed up lunches. Your clothes don't look right. Your hair is all messed. You're mad at the world, right? And then what happens when you get to work? Hi, how are you? Like, <laughs> the, the smile comes on. Because, like, well, I've been out in the sun long enough. The cortisol's working. It's happening. You have that fake laugh. You're polite. You do all this. I work with some people. No, not, not, not Heather, of course. I, there is a larger staff at Mississauga. I'm not fully throwing you under the bus, but you ask her if she's a morning person. <laughs> but we are when we get to work we change everything because we know we need to be we need we need to build these good relationships with people that we work with because they could fire us or they could or we have to be on a team with them and we we know that but we're nice to the world and then we're we're ourselves with those who were closest with we say that we're ourselves with those who were closest live. And it's, it's hard to live closely with other human beings. Sometimes we're grouchy. Sometimes we're over-extroverted. Sometimes, sometimes we just get upset with those closest around us. Now, now Moses, he had lived with Jethro for 40 years. Remember, he lived in, in Egypt for 40 years and he ran away into the wilderness. He lived in his father-in-law's house for 40 years. They ran the farm together. So they, they lived together. They worked together. Moses married his daughter, had children together, so they tried to parent together. And then Moses leaves Jethro when, when Jethro is much older. Moses is 80, and he's going back to, to Egypt. He leaves him. How do, you, how do you suppose life went for them? Was it perfect all the time? I don't think so, right? Like, if, if you've ever had p- parents around when you're trying to parent your children and they're trying to give advice into how you should parent, if you've ever, if, if you've ever uh, spent time just even living with extended family together, even just your, your, the people that you share the house with, you have conflict all the time. 
And instead of being jealous or upset or having these petty differences, Jethro hears about what had been happening with Moses and says, I need to go talk to Moses. I need to go reconnect because this is, this is an important relationship in my life. And he's thrilled when he hears what's been happening with his son-in-law. And we want to pull a few quick, quick principles out of what can happen when you decide to intentionally engage in healthy relationship with one another, despite the hardships that go on, despite all the little rifts that may be there. Because all of us have relationships around us, whether it's work, home, many of our relationships are not healthy. So we not only want to look at why we want healthy relationships, but what makes a healthy relationship as well. And for, as we go through the next 15 minutes this morning, what I challenge us to do is evaluate one or two close relationships in your life. So just get a picture, get a name of somebody that you go, this is somebody that's close in my life that I want this to be a healthy relationship with, and then evaluate the relationship based on the three principles that we're going to pull out of the scripture text today. And then we're going to ask the question, what can I do to ensure that I maintain healthy relationships. So if you're taking uh, notes this morning and fill in the blanks, we're going to be looking at the phrase healthy relationships. And the first one is they have the ability to inspire and encourage you as well. We all need people in our lives who are cheerleaders and we need people in our lives who are benchmarkers that inspire us to go to the next level. We need people that celebrate our successes without jealousy, without comparison, We need people who recognize the struggle that it is for us to get where we are and maybe encourage us to keep going. How do you feel after you've had a long month at work? Like you've been been staying late, you've had deadlines and the pressure has been coming down on you. Everybody's stressed, everybody's angry. There haven't even been the fake smiles and the politeness. There's just been, people have been raw and real and upset with one another because you've been, everybody's been putting these extra hours in. You've barely had enough energy to clean yourself and feed yourself, much less be invested in your community, in your family. I want you to think about Moses' last few months as he discusses with Jethro here, right? Think of the last few months. He was face-to-face with Pharaoh, locked in a political battle going back and forth, let the people go. No, I'm not going to let the people go. Okay, now I'm going to have to do a miracle and pray that God comes through. God, please come through. And there's snakes and there's boils. And then he's leading people out into the wilderness. God does a whole bunch more miracles. People are complaining. People are upset at him. He has to rely on God for water, to move water. He has to rely on God for the direction on where to go. How much energy do you think Moses had left in his life at this point? This, you think a month at work that you're staying a little bit later is difficult. Think of where Moses is at this point in, your, in his life. And there wouldn't have been a soul on earth that could have empathized with him. Nobody else was in Moses' position. And whenever you get to that spot where you feel like, hey man, I'm the only one putting in the extra time, I'm the only one doing this, you feel alone, you feel unheard, you feel misunderstood, And out of nowhere, Exodus 18 says, Jethro decides, I'm going to come and encourage this guy. (laughs) I'm going to, Moses had left him, Moses had moved on. But when Jethro heard what had happened with Moses, he said, I need to go be his encourager. I need to go be his cheerleader. Exodus Exodus 18, 10 and 12, here's where we pick it up. We got to verse 9. He said, praise be to the Lord who rescued you from the hands of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh and who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods for he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. Do you have a person in your life that can just make your day just by saying positive about something about your work or how you're living or your life? 
you know, we need these people in our lives. We, we absolutely need somebody that just is there to encourage, to inspire, to, to even challenge us to keep, keep going forwards. I don't know if you've ever read the book, uh, The Five Love Languages, but we are, it's, it's, the, it's the discussion and the thought that we all receive and give love in five different ways. And one of the five dominant ways is just words of affirmation that all of us, and some of us to an even greater degree, need to hear and receive love just by somebody saying, you're doing a great job. Isn't it amazing how hard you've been working? And in fact, some of us will never move past challenges and on to the next thing until another individual acknowledges it. If, love la- if one of your love languages is words of affirmation, you can, you can be completely stuck until somebody else acknowledges that. And that doesn't make you petty, and that, and that doesn't make you self-centered. It makes you a human being that needs relationships to be successful. And this is what we see in Moses' life. At that moment, Jethro came in to encourage and inspire him. Have you ever worked for somebody that gives more criticism than praise, like throws you under the bus and says you're not a morning person and in front of everybody? Have you ever, have you ever had that? Never? <laughs> how, does, how does your work change between when you're complimented and between when you're criticized? I want you to think about that. When somebody comes and attacks you, how does your work change compared to when somebody appreciates what you've done? Your motivation goes up. Your effort level goes up. It's impossible to get actual scientific statistics, but there is a definite correlation between results and a positive belief in self that's created by, the, by affirmation from other people. Think about it when you go to the gym. When you get one of those gym memberships, what do they force you to do the first time you're there? You do the orientation and then what? You have to meet with the trainer. Yeah, you, they say you need, you need to meet with that trainer. And why are you meeting with the trainer? Because when you're doing roll curls or whatever and you get to here and you're done, what do they say? One more. And can you do one more when they say one more? Now, that doesn't make any sense at all. You couldn't do one more. Why does one other person saying one more allow you to do one more? Because you are physically able to do it, but your head and your heart have given up until somebody else says, no, you're able to do it. Wouldn't it be, or, or parents, we find this with kids all the time, right? They go, I've looked everywhere in my room and I cannot find that shirt. And what, yeah, <laughs> all the parents like, and what is the only thing that is the barrier between that child finding the shirt in the room and, 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 and um, between them finding it or not finding? All you have to do is say, it's there. Yeah, look, look. Look down. Oh, there it is. Like, they spent 15 minutes like, looking and searching, and they couldn't find it. And then a parent goes, I think it's there. And then, yeah, it is there. Look, all along, all they needed was for somebody else to say, I believe that it's there, and yes, you could do this. And if that kind of change can, be, can, can happen just by one person saying one more rep, just go look one more time, I want you to think, we can't leave these life-altering relationships to chance. If we could absolutely do more when somebody is our encourager and our cheerleader, then we cannot just hope that we have a boss, that we have a spouse, that we have a coworker. We, we, we just can't hope that we have somebody in our life that's going to encourage us. We have to seek it out and cultivate an encourager in our lives. We have to make sure that we maintain that. Moses still had, a, Moses still had 40 more years to go. I want you to think about this. We, we're only two-thirds of the way through Moses. He's now going to have to lead the people right up to the promised land, have the rejection of that. He, then he's going to have to lead them in the wilderness for 30-some-odd years. He can't give up yet. 
And unless he has an encourager in his life saying, Moses, let me help you with some stuff. It's amazing what God's been doing. He may give up at this point. Here's what Proverbs 18 and 24 says. Friends come and go, but a true friend sticks by you like family. I believe it's in your notes. If you don't have one of these people in your life, you need to seek these people out. We all need an encourager and somebody that, that, that's our cheerleader. We, this is why we get together as a church in small groups. If, if you've never connected in, in a small group, an, another group of people who are challenging you in your faith on a regular basis and are studying God's word with you, that's why we have these people. So we can, when you're having a difficult day, they can be there. We, we, we structure our church so we have encouragers together. Maybe it's a mentor at work. I don't know if you have that set up for you or if it's a good relationship, but finding an encourager that can be there for you. Well, your, your, your life, your work, your family may all be very, di- very different because you have a voice giving you a message every day that they care, that they notice, and that you can do it. But that's not the only kind of message we need, right? <laughs> we don't always need the message, hey, you're doing a great job, you can do it. You know what else healthy relationships do? And we see this, this is where we're going to base the rest of the, the morning. They can provide an unbiased perspective. Encouragement is important but I don't want to encourage you to run faster and go harder when you are five steps from running off a cliff, right? Like you don't, you don't need encouragement to keep going and keep doing something that's actually going to be very dangerous for you. And there are times when you and I need to receive a message that will actually change how we're living and change our course. Because if we maintain the way that we're going, we're going to run ourselves right off a cliff or we're going to run ourselves into danger. You know, and I have, I have three people that I know I have identified in my life. You are allowed to say difficult things to me. I've given permission to say, you can step into my world when you see me making a mistake. One is at work, and I'm so blessed to be able to, if, if, if you never met our lead pastor, Pastor Doug and, and Laura, they're an amazing couple that have been leading our church for about 15 years. And multiple times in my life, they've stepped in and said, you're not going the right way in the way that, in the direction you're taking. Could you think about doing this? In fact, one time he picked up the phone and said, Rick, this is God. I have to have a conversation with you. <laughs> it was at a moment in my life when I was questioning, God, have you designed me to lead in the church or have you designed me to lead somewhere else? And he was just joking. Don't, don't, don't go stone him or something like that. <laughs> but <laughs> literally left a message on, this is God. We need to have a conversation. And we got together and he said, tell me a little bit about why you've gone this way and let me let me ask you some difficult questions. And it was through that process that I changed an entire course of what I was doing because I allowed somebody else to ask, say, a difficult, ask a difficult question of me. I have one personally. I have one that, that, that I do with, as, as, as a husband and a, as a father. I got together with him for coffee just, just a few, uh, it was just last week, he was picking up his daughter at the airport and he asked me some difficult questions about how I was parenting and he, he asked me fun questions about how I was helping Hope to develop her basketball skills. But somebody in my life that I've given permission to challenge the way that I think and challenge the way that I live. Jethro comes into Moses' life and he celebrates what God was doing. He celebrates how Moses had been leading the nation But then he looks at how Moses is functioning as a leader. And let's pick it up in verse 14. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, this is two verses after he had just said, it's amazing what God is doing. 
What does he say? He says, what are you doing? (laughs) What is this that you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone as the judge? Why do you think Moses was sitting alone as the judge? Because God said you're the leader and you're to judge people. He was doing what he thought he was supposed to be doing. But then he says, while all these people are standing around you from morning until evening. Moses was God's chosen leader. He was extremely powerful. We've seen Moses use his magic stick a number of times. He could have done whatever he wanted to to Jethro. Give him a plague of boils. Here you go. Moses, Moses allowed a trusted person to challenge how he was thinking and how he was acting. And we all have this deep-seated belief that what we do is normal and what we do is right. And the reason why we, we just think, if I've developed it, if I've thought about it, if this is the way that I want to do it, it's normal and it's right. And we build these processes over years and it happens through our experiences. It happens through the way that our parents teach us. It happens the way through the world influences us. It just happens as we develop it. And we get so ingrained with the way that we're doing and the way that we're thinking. And there are days when you and I are very, very wrong. We are not right. (laughs) But because we've done it that way, we feel like this is normal and this is the way that we should live. And there are some people we will never be able to hear the truth from. There, there are just some people, because of their relationship to us, whether it's they're not close enough or whether it's they're, they're so close to us. Like For some of us, you would say, mom cannot say difficult things to me. Mom, just give me some space. And for some of you, you would say, mom is one of the only ones that can step into my life and say difficult things to me. So it isn't necessarily a certain position because some of us will build up walls. Some of us will tell ourselves stories about why these people are trying to give us information. But regardless of who it is, it's so critically important that we have healthy relationships that can not only encourage but also speak hard truth to us. Look what Proverbs says, 27 and 6. Wounds from a friend, at this, can be trusted. So a healthy relationship who wounds us can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Moses had been bogging down their entire, ju- their entire judicial system because he thought he was best suited to sit as the judge. And he thought, I can do this in a reasonable amount of time. I can do People were sitting around all day, no justice being given. Apparently, a bogged down justice system is not a product of our society. This has been happening for thousands of years. Moses instituted it right there. And Moses was neglecting some of the very important tasks that he was supposed to spend his days on. And he was doing something that somebody else could do. Moses was actually preventing other people from fulfilling their calling in life to sit as a judge. And others would have been able to see the flaw and say, why is Moses, like, think about this. He had been functioning this way for a long time and other people would have been frustrated with Moses thinking, I sit here every day and you can't, you can't bring ruling into this. But only Jethro could say it to Moses because of the relationship that Jethro and Moses had evidently fostered. Ephesians 4 and 15 says this, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. When we speak truth that could be difficult to hear in love, we will grow in every respect. But that takes a person who knows how to speak hard things directly and gently, and it takes us being able to receive it and understand that sometimes people say things in love and we trust them and we're vulnerable enough to open ourselves up in relationship with somebody else. Do you have somebody who you would trust their wounds? You would trust the hard things that they say to you? Parents, Paul tells us that 
we need to be careful how we do this with our kids because some, as, as we said, some parents can say the difficult things and the kids receive it. But Ephesians 6 and 4 says, parents, don't exasperate your kids because sometimes they're not ever going to hear a difficult thing from us because of the way that we've made this. Now, we need to say difficult things to our kids, but we need to be careful about it. And that's why Paul writes about that in the scripture. And whether we are the givers of the difficult word or whether we are the receivers of the difficult word, there's a skill in sharing truth in a way that others can hear it. And it's a lifelong skill that we're always developing. And it's only safe to do in a vulnerable relationship when we're open. And this morning I thought it would be worth us identifying some of these people in our lives. Because the last point is that a healthy relationship, they serve as a source of wisdom and protection. And it's short-sighted to believe that we have already achieved all that we will ever need to know and we already are whoever, everything we ever need to be. And past negative experiences, our fear of being hurt, all too often it prevents us from hearing the most important messages and feedback from those who are closest to us. For some of us, it's our leaning as an extrovert and we say, I don't want to take time to have one-on-one conversation. I just want to enjoy the party. For some of us, it's our introverted leaning where it says, I just need to shut off the world right now and I, I don't want to hear anything. It could be whatever. What's the wall? Where's the wall that we've built up? And maybe there's a very important message that we need to hear and it will change the way that we live. It'll change the way that we experience our relationship with God and others. Moses allowed Jethro to challenge him And look at his response. Because I think probably all of us have been challenged before. Somebody said, hey, what's going on here? (laughs) Hey, this isn't good. Have you ever considered? Verses 24 through 26, Moses listened to his father-in-law and he did everything he said. He chose capable men from all Israel and made them leaders over the people, officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. He not only took one person, he took a bunch of people and said, man, I've been blowing this (laughs) I have to empower a whole bunch of other people to go and and lead where I thought I was supposed to lead. No, you go do it. And they served as judges for the people all times. The difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones, they decided for themselves. What is the feedback that you have received from a friend, from a family member, from a coworker that you've just rejected as unimportant or untrue? You've decided, "Mm mm-mm. That wasn't a wound from a friend. That wasn't godly advice. I want us to reconsider that this morning. The lesson from Moses and Jethro shows us that we get better when we can filter out what is criticism because some of it is criticism. Some of it is just stuff we need to go, that's not true. <laughs> I'm not, you, don't, you don't have that place to speak into me. I'm not there yet. But some of it is valuable feedback and we will be different leaders. We will be different husbands. We will be different employees. We will be different community members when we adapt and change. Here's what Proverbs 27 and 17 says. As iron sharpens iron, sword, a knife, so one person can sharpen another. There are all kinds of people that want to give us advice. And it's true much of the feedback we need to move on from because we can agonize over over a comment that someone made from us someone made about us we've had these experiences where somebody said something and it just sticks with us and and it eats us up 
And on Tuesday night, we're gonna, I've been filling in for Pastor Joe, and we're going to go a little bit deeper on this in our Bible study note. And we're going to look at what happens when people give us negative messaging or, and, and what happens in our, in our brains, what happens in our bodies, how we respond to that, and how we can, how we can move on in a godly way. I'd love to have you Tuesday night. But Proverbs 1 and 7 says this, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And when we're in relationship with one another, two people that love God, two people that seem to love each other, we should be able to be in a safe spot where we can at the very least evaluate what somebody else is saying. And this morning, I want to give you a moment or two just to reflect on a change that you may want to make coming out of today because somebody has identified something. Or maybe it's you're reflecting on a person that you would say, you know what, I, I don't think I have anyone right now. I've brushed it all off. You just want to reflect on, is there somebody that I can intentionally allow to have influence into my life? Or maybe this morning, you've never considered yourself to be a Jethro. (laughs) You've never considered that you could be somebody that is such an encourager that could really affect the life of somebody else. Can we just take a few moments and reflect on what the Spirit of God is saying to each one of us individually? God, thank you for a morning that we can worship you, honor you, we can be together, we can reflect alone. We thank you that you designed us to live together to support one another. Lord, I pray for anyone here this morning, maybe in a place where the words of somebody else, the criticism, have been a real hurt. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that any lie that has ever been spoken to us or about us it wouldn't stick in our minds in Jesus name do a miracle right now
just flush it out of our system, Lord. We would know that you love us, that you created us. You have a plan for us. And that we're supposed to be imperfect. And you love us that way, Lord. So I, I ask that there would be no criticism that sticks in our hearts. And Lord, for the difficult truths that are stuck in our hearts, I pray that that would never leave, Lord. The difficult truth that is supposed to shape and refine us, I pray that it take root in our heart and we not feel guilt about it and we not feel less because of it, but we surrender it every day to you and say, Lord, help me to live differently, help me to be different. I thank you, Jesus, for a a church where we can be open and we can be supportive and Lord, I pray that every every day we would be each other's greatest cheerleaders, would be each other's bringers of truth so that we would live the way that you designed us to live and we would be the best that we possibly could be. Knowing that you accept us at every level anyways, Lord. Thank you for a morning like this, Lord. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.